0: This is a special preview of the United States of Debt a Slate Academy. To listen to the full episode, sign up at slate.com debt.
1: So Sally Mae is like this bloodthirsty woman who calls you all the time. It was scary. It was depressing. Um, I mean, there was times that I would just fall into a deep depression and couldn't get myself out just because I felt like I'm never going to get out from the weight of these loans.
0: Americans owe $1.3 trillion in student loans. That's a number that's so large it's almost incomprehensible. And in the view of many, it's a drain on us and a drain on our economy. Studies show this mountain of money is impacting everything from home buying to marital choices. Four out of five of those with loans said they made sacrifices so they could make their monthly payment. Half said they delayed contributions to retirement accounts. And it's not just recent graduates or millennials. Close to one in five people who need to pay a student loan bill are over the age of 50. Sometimes it's money they borrowed to help their kids or grandchildren attend college. Other times it's debt they acquired for their own education, money borrowed to go back to school in midlife to improve their prospects in our forever uncertain economy. And that $1.3 trillion impacts all of us, even if we don't owe a penny at all. Welcome back to the United States of Debt. I'm Helene Olin, our host. In this episode, we're going to explore student debt and what it's doing to all of our lives. Are student loans more common than in the past? Are student loans inevitable for most of us? And what do for-profit schools have to do with all of this? Chapter 1. You Aren't Going Anywhere Without College.
1: I always assumed until about 10th or 11th grade that I was going to stay home because that's what I had seen people around me do. A teacher that was very close to me had said, like, you know, you have options. Colleges want people like you. You know, you need to apply, you know, away. You need to go away. Go. You can get into a good school.
0: Go away. Go. Rosette Cirillo is 23 years old. She teaches 8th grade English at an urban public school in Massachusetts. But it took $120,000 in student loans to get her in front of that classroom. There's no question that on average, college graduates earn more money, lots more money, than people who don't go to college. But it takes a lot of money to get them to that point. Rosette's a first-generation college graduate from the blue-collar reaches of New York's Long Island. My mother cleaned houses growing up,
1: and my father is a maintenance man at Costco. And he's in his
0: 50s, and he's still doing some manual labor. Today, she makes around $54,000 a year. That's less than half of her student loan bill. But it's more than what her parents earned annually combined when she was growing up. How did she get into so much debt? It all began when Rosette was accepted to Bard College.
1: And I remember sitting on my living room floor with my mom and my dad. I had just gotten back, so I was really tired. And... I was opening them up, and then you afford them, new bolt's okay, Skidmore okay, and then I opened up bards, and even though it was a really small envelope, and they've gotten a lot of flack for this, like out slipped right onto the floor, the, it's, it was red cardstock um, with the gold Bard crest, and it said congratulations, and I just, I started sobbing I'm, immediately, because I think it, in many ways I knew like what that could mean.
0: Bard's a bucolic, renowned liberal arts college in upstate New York. Among those who have attended the school are Rolling Stones left-wing journalist Matt Taibbi and a heck of a lot of people who are prominent in the entertainment business, including Chevy Chase and Gabby Hoffman. But Bard's also one of the most expensive colleges in the United States. This coming year, tuition, room, and board will cost an incoming freshman over $67,000. Rosette's quick to say Bard was quite generous with its aid. But not all of it was grant money. There were loans, too. Once, like, scholarships and
1: student loans came up sort of later in freshman year, that's when I almost started to feel this, like, embarrassment. I had pretty frequent dreams once I figured it out my first year of my parents or the financial aid people showing up to my dorm room and telling me I had to leave. And I I didn't know what that was about, I didn't know why. And then it
0: started hitting me that I had way more loans. And she was right. Many of her fellow students weren't in the same position as her. I mean, I guess the way I
1: dressed, the way I acted, it came to my attention that I had a pretty strong accent. You know, Long Island. Long Island. So I thought maybe I didn't feel as smart as the other students, but in hindsight it was because I was coming to this realization of like, oh, you're not from the same class as these people. Their parents, you know, are CEOs and CFOs. You know, they have these shiny new cars. And I was driving a car that my Uncle Salvatore got me on a favor Um, (laughs) that was like an old two-door Saturn covered in um, dog hair on the inside from no one's dog that we knew. And... Well, I always thought that was sort of like funny and quirky. (laughs) Um, It becomes something that you're pretty embarrassed about and you're not going to offer people rides or
0: you feel embarrassed and almost ashamed. It wasn't that the students were unfriendly or mean. It was, she said, that even their good intentions could be clueless. On graduation day, my senior year, graduation
1: day comes. And in order to raise awareness, everyone who had debt, was wearing these red felt little squares. And I could not wear that square and ruin that moment for my family. I'm going to walk across the stage. I'm going to smile. I'm going to give some finger guns. We're going to go out to dinner and have a great night. And then I'll pay my loans later. They shouldn't have to worry about that. Or think of me as, she almost made it, but, you know, it's our fault that we couldn't support her through it.
0: But despite the heavy weight of her loans, she got through that day. She graduated. And even went off to grad school at Harvard, where she took on another $30,000 in loans to get a master's in education. I think I really
1: saw that education was this game changer for people. It was a game changer for me. It really changed the course of my life. And that was as like a, a lower lower middle class kid in a blue collar town. I also understand that If you are living in poverty, that education can change the course of your life. And every time I kept reading about things, for me, it kept really
0: coming back down to the teacher in the classroom. Her monthly tab is $900 a month. That's for a combination of federally subsidized and private loans. The money can be difficult to manage. But what's even worse for Rosette is dealing with student loan company Sally May. Rosette, you see, wanted to consolidate her loans with a different company. But there was a slight delay in the process. So Sally Mae was still calling her multiple times a day, demanding she pay her monthly bill. From their perspective, the consolidation had not gone through yet. The money was due. And when you're sitting at dinner
1: with friends who are out with drinks and Sally Mae calling you, or it's rumbling in my desk while I'm teaching, and my kids are asking me who's that, and... They keep calling. And I keep my phone in my desk locked up just because, in case there's like some kind of emergency, I want to be able to, people need to get in contact with me in case something happens at the school. But I keep my phone in my desk and for it to keep rattling, and then the students to ask me, like, who keeps calling you? Is it an emergency? Is everything okay? I think that was some of the worst of it. Because, in some ways, I'm really honest with my kids. I wanted to be really honest with them and say, it's a student loan company hassling me. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't do that. Why not? Um, because they're 14.
0: I don't want them to have to think about it just yet in some ways. When we asked Sally Mae for comment, they said they couldn't discuss specific cases without the borrower's permission. But a spokesperson did write back, saying that, quote, our top priority is to help customers keep their loans in good standing and build good credit. And that includes reaching out to customers to help them prevent loans from going delinquent, close quote. They also told us, quote, The only time we make repeated calls is when we are trying to reach customers to help them manage their loans and preserve their good credit, close quote.